Hi there, I'm Erin Kraber. I'm a marketing professional with a passion for building a community of industry-leading women navigating careers and motherhood at the same time. Every week, I'll be sharing tips and tricks to help women grow their local businesses, build their personal brands, and be leaders in their communities, and sharing the stories of women who make it happen while keeping the kids healthy and the house still standing. This is a place for honest conversations among women about business and motherhood. Welcome to Motherhood Merged. Hi there, and welcome into this episode of the Motherhood Merged podcast. Today, I have the privilege of introducing you to one of my very favorite people. I met Emily James when we were both in college, before our husbands and kids, when our biggest concern was what to wear on a Thursday night out at the Neon Cactus. We have literally lived our adult lives on parallel tracks both working in higher education, both involved in college athletics, both growing careers and babies at the same time, and both passionate about building communities of and for strong women. Emily and I covered a wide range of topics in this discussion, and she shared so many valuable insights on her work empowering artists to share their stories and how that translates to what she considers to be a non-traditional lifestyle for her kids and family. We go deep on the idea of self-care and how she fills her cup on a regular basis while juggling a business she loves, a 9-to-5 she excels at, kids, a busy husband, and of course the dogs. I can't wait for you to hear more, so let's dive right in. Well, I'm so excited to welcome my wonderful friend Emily James to the podcast today. Hi, Emily. Hello. Well, first, I would love to have you just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you and all the many hats you wear. I feel like that that children's book, Hats for Sale. You know the guy with all the hats? That's, uh, yes. that's, that's me. So I'm Emily James. Aaron and I have known each other since college, to go Purdue. Um, and I am currently the owner of EHJ Creative, which is a copywriting and communication strategy firm for creatives. Uh, mostly I work with visual artists. I also have a nine to five job working, um, at a university in major gift fundraising. I'm a mom of two kids, Jack and Ellie, who are eight and six, um, and I am married to a college tennis coach who has his own set of weird hours and responsibilities um, and travels a lot for work. So and house manager and, and all that stuff. You forgot the most important people that you post about all the time on Instagram. The, the little furry ones. Yes, we have two golden retrievers. Bogey is 13 and Campin is two. Um, and as I've been working remotely since COVID, they're my, yeah, they're my team, my coworkers, my, uh, my little buddies during the day. So they're in here sleeping on the floor. Awesome. Well, you mentioned that um, you started EHJ Creative as a way to support um, creatives, specifically artists. And I really would love for you to share a little bit about what led you to supporting creative specifically. Like what did you find was missing or what kind of inspired you to get started? Yeah. So I had been doing some consulting work still within higher ed um, and I was doing a lot of communication. So speech writing, um, written communications, 
And I loved it because writing has always been my passion. And it was something to do on the side that allowed me to kind of have my own um, way to express myself creatively. And when COVID hit, a lot of that slowed down for some of the people that I had been supporting. And I had a friend um, who approached me and she's an artist and said, I would really like for you to help me with some, you know, copy I'm working on for my website and some marketing materials. Um, and I said, sure, why not? And from that, I started realizing how many friends and acquaintances I have in the art world. And I just, I felt like something was there. And so I just kind of kept pulling on the thread, asking questions, doing market research and found that there seemed to be a real void in the market when it comes to creatives and artists who want to spend their time creating, painting, being in their studio, but also they want to sell their work. And so I started looking at that space between creating and selling and what my skill set was and really noticed that the areas that people had the most trouble was talking about their work, talking about themselves, writing about themselves in their work, uh, especially for visual artists to express themselves creatively on canvas, on paper, and then to try to turn around and write about their work in as prolific a way as they were able to paint seemed to be a challenge. I also noticed that there seemed to be a gap in how they were organizing their materials in relation to how galleries, interior designers, um, museums, art shows, exhibitions wanted to receive the work. So there were some very specific ways that people in the industry want work to be organized so they can review it, evaluate it, and see if they are interested in, in pairing this artist in their gallery. Um, and so I kind of founded this as a way to bridge that gap and help people essentially tell their stories and organize their work in a way that helps increase their visibility um, for the business. I like the the way you mentioned kind of finding the, the voids in the market. It's interesting that there's you know, a difference between creating and selling and finding someone who can speak to that maybe from an outside perspective, um, because what the creator sees is probably different than what you see in their work and to help them navigate that process. And also to break it down to language that um, our, you and I have a shared friend, Gretchen, who we love, and Gretchen coined a term art muggles, which I just love. So people who are not from the art world, but, um, you know, are looking at art, especially because art and art sales have become so big on Instagram. And I think it's great because it has made the art world and original art feel less pretentious and more accessible. But people need to be able to talk about their work in a way that supports that. Um, and so I, I always tell all of my clients, the goal is to tell your story make it sound like you wrote it. So use your language, your style, your personality, your sense of humor. And we spend a lot of time getting to know each other so that I can capture that. But we also want to make sure that, um, you know, a third grader can understand 
what you're talking about because um, what I call emerging collectors. So people like you and me who are at a stage in our life where, you know, we would like to upgrade from the home goods piece or the target piece that everybody has in their house, but we don't have thousands and thousands of dollars to spend on art. A lot of times people in that category feel like original art or commissioned work is inaccessible or it's not something that, you know, they can have in their home or in their lives. And that's, and that's not true. Um, so I think helping artists to tell their stories in a way that feels relatable and true it just sort of makes their art and their work and the whole industry feel more accessible. And I would argue that that is true in just about any industry, any, any business, any brand needs to tell their story and do it in their own voice. So when you're working with an artist, you know, what are a couple ways that you get this discussion going on how to stand out and, and be seen? How do you get them comfortable with telling the story. Sure. The first thing I do is I take a look at their art. I take a look at their website. I look at everything that they put out there and just kind of make my own notes as a consumer and as somebody who does not have an art background. And I, and I actually think um, what in the beginning intimidated me and I sort of felt like, ooh, I don't know, will I be taken seriously? Not an art history major. My background is in journalism and PR. I actually think it is to my advantage and to the advantage of my clients because I'm looking at their work through the eyes of a normal person, like one of their buyers. So I kind of take a look at it, make my own notes. And then the second thing we do, once they sign and we decide we're going to work together, I have an interview process. And I have a list of questions that I send them to kind of think about, but we usually end up kind of like you and I right now, just having a conversation and once you start asking questions about why they create, what inspired them, when they started, you naturally kind of their story just unfolds, right? And so I take copious notes and I try to notice the inflection in their voice. What gets them super excited? What gets them super emotional? And then I go back to those points and really try to hone in on it. And a lot of times the most gratifying thing is when we're going over drafts of an artist bio or an artist statement and somebody says, oh my God, you captured it. Like, yes, that's exactly what I've been thinking or feeling. And I didn't really know how to put it into words. So that's the goal is to have enough conversations with the artist that we get to that point where they really do feel like they're speaking through me or I'm capturing what they're thinking and feeling, but didn't quite have the words for. And when you get to that point with an artist, or maybe even before that point, is it, do you feel like it's maybe a confidence issue or is it a time issue or is it a, you know, maybe something else that's keeping them stuck that, that you're able to identify pretty quickly? I think confidence for sure, especially the majority of my clients are women and not to generalize too much, but when you're a creative, it already requires a lot of vulnerability to put your work out there. And then you double up on that when you're also trying to talk about yourself and your work. As women, we're the worst at bragging about ourselves. And I have this conversation every single one of my consultation calls. This comes up. 
let me brag about you. Let me write about you in your highest, truest form because that's hard for you to do. We never see ourselves and our achievements in the way that others do. So then I finish it. We have the draft. And then the thing I have to convince them is like, don't change this. Don't cut parts out. Don't, yeah, don't right. sell yourself short, right? This is, these are your accomplishments. And sometimes if we put together a CV, which I don't do for everybody, but in certain, depending on the process, sometimes we do. It's amazing the number of things that people don't realize that they've accomplished. And that's, I mean, that's really rewarding for me as somebody who is, who is such a strong feminist and activist in terms of confidence and women supporting women and empowerment. That was sort of an unexpected thing that has come out of the business is it feels so great to help people see and recognize all the greatness that's within them that they had overlooked or were too afraid to talk about or name. Is that something that's noticeable? Like, does it make a shift in that person or in their work once they've kind of got everything on paper and you get them to believe that it's true? I mean, you'd have to ask them, but um, the feedback I've gotten is, is yes. Artists are notorious for, and all creatives, for second guessing themselves. I tell them all the time, go back and read this. This is who you are. Go back and, and read what your customers have said. Read some of the positive comments people are leaving on your Instagram when you're lacking confidence in your work or you don't feel like you're creating your best. But yeah, I do. I think that I know for sure for at least one of my clients who I've been working with on a monthly basis for a little over a year, her confidence and her belief in herself and how that has transformed her art that's unbelievable. Yeah, that's that's so exciting to hear. And it's, it's got to be fulfilling, you know, as a, a great side benefit to the work that you're doing, maybe something you didn't think about going into it. But now that you see it, you know, that's exciting. It, it makes you feel accomplished. And, and you really see the change in in the people you're working with. It is. And as I see them recognize in themselves, that there is no ceiling, a byproduct of that is that I started to see that in my own self and in my own business. You know, I have a client who, when I first started the business, I was like, this is my dream. If I could ever work with Julie, I will feel like I have made it. And I just reached out to her last year and I said, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. If you ever happen to need any help, I hope you would consider working with me. Um, and a couple of months later, she re- reached out and, and we started working together. And that made me realize that the only person that was putting limits and a ceiling on what I could do with this business was me. And I see that a lot in my clients too. And it's just, it's such a two-way street because I hope that I'm helping them unlock confidence, but they're doing the same for me. Again, you're, you're speaking about creative specifically, but that's true any woman who is, you know, looking to grow their business or grow their brand or advance in their career, you know, these are real situations that we encounter. These are real tangible results that you're speaking about that can apply across the board. I agree. And I think that's why the coaching business has really taken off. I think we sometimes 
underestimate how powerful it is to have a cheerleader. One of the things I always say is you are your best advocate. You are, be your own cheerleader, get on your own team. I think when you, the more you hear it, the more you're going to believe it and the more you're going to act on it. And surround yourself with people that reinforce that message. Well, let's shift gears just a little bit. We've talked about your business supporting creatives, but you also have a nine to five, a day job. We both work in higher education, Mm -hmm. albeit in different areas. I'd love to have you talk just a little bit about um, how you balance that and how you prioritize yourself as a as a busy mom. You talked about the kids and the dogs and a husband who travels. You know, how do you make time for yourself? I don't always do it well. You know, the thing about a balancing act is if you think about the, um, you know, like the scales of justice or, or the scales that have you know, weights on both sides, it's always wiggling a little bit, right? It's never perfectly balanced. And I try to remember that. And I would love to tell you that I've got this block schedule and I do artwork at this time and I do nine to five at this time. And in a perfect world, I would, but that's not how life is. And the easiest thing when I feel overwhelmed and I feel like my plate is overflowing, I was actually just talking to my mom about this. The easiest thing to quit or stop doing is the business because it adds the most uncertainty. It adds the most, um, extra time that from a practical perspective isn't really benefiting my family, but it's what's filling my cup. So it's keeping me busier, but it's also keeping some of those other things in balance because it's giving me an outlet. And it's also helping me develop professional skills that I don't get to practice in my day job. And who knows where that might take me in the future. It is professional development that I'm sort of creating for myself. Um, It's helping me think about my nine to five work in a different way. What's great about both jobs is that I did an exercise, you know, maybe 18 months ago where I was trying to identify what are my values personally, not what does society say, um, but what are my values? And The three things that came out of that for me are um, efficiency, authenticity, and community building. And I feel like my business gives me an opportunity to do that every day. And so does my nine to five. I genuinely feel like I could break both of my jobs down to kind of being a matchmaker. You know, and my day job, I'm helping philanthropists match their money and their interest with needs at the university. And in my art business, I'm helping artists figure out the best way to connect with their audience. What is something that you've really noticed in your house or with the kids since you've kind of been taking on two ventures at the same time? You know, my daughter probably gets the most excited about the art stuff. Um, but what, I, what I've noticed is my kids take an interest in some capacity in what I take an interest in. And they don't really know any different. Um, I mean, I think they're still young enough that they just kind of go with the flow. Our lifestyle has always been atypical. Um, you get this as somebody who works in college athletics. You know, I married into college athletics. It's a weird life. 
it's there's no nine to five about anything ever. There's no Monday through Friday. There's no off season. There's no summer break. And for better or for worse, I think my kids just don't totally realize how weird our life is compared to some of their friends. But I also think that's what makes it cool. You know, they and your girls, I know, are the same. Like they've grown up going to, they've been to more sporting events by the time they're five than most people go to in an entire lifetime. That's a normal Tuesday night for them. Um, Me working late is a normal night for them. And so I think they just don't really know any different. And I hope that what it's teaching them is hard work and that you absolutely should find ways to explore what fuels you no matter what form it I think you hit on something important there and yes my kids um you know they don't understand that you have to buy tickets um, yeah. people pay for the experiences <laughs> that they get um they they don't quite you know they just expect to have the door open for them and and walk to whatever seat they like because their seat is always there mm-hmm. um but you hit on something that I think I, I've definitely mentioned before and, and stress it for sure is that, you know, involving our kids in what we're doing is, is right. You know, we're giving them experiences that, that they, you know, may not have otherwise. And it's not anything to feel guilty about or stress about it because you're doing the right thing. You're involving them in your life, whatever that looks like. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's empowering for them. I mean, my kids, ask about what I'm working on. I show them art. Um, you know, we were in Charleston earlier this summer, which is really not the best place to go on a vacation with young kids. There's not a lot in Charleston proper for, for little people to do. Um, but they were so excited to walk around the art gallery, you know, and talk about what they liked and what colors looked pretty. And I think that I am giving my kids the opportunity to get to know me. And I think, or I hope that I'm humanizing myself as a mom. And I hope that they see me struggle. And I hope that they see me always trying to adjust for that balance. I hope they see that I will always prioritize them, but I do prioritize myself. You know, you, you asked earlier, what do I do for myself? I mean, it's hard to find time for self-care when you're juggling a lot of things, but when you're juggling the things you want to be juggling, that in and of itself is a form of self-care. I'm caring for myself by pursuing a business that allows me to express myself creatively and tap into that side of my brain. And so I hope that 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 is what my kids are seeing is like, yeah, I'm going to make sure you get to soccer practice on time and I might have my laptop and be working on a bio in the car. Um, You know, it's funny to hear even the way they talk, like mommy's on a deadline or, um, you know, mommy's got to go visit with donors. I mean, they, they get it because they don't know any differently. And to your point, you know, we just try to include them in as much as possible and, and let them see us as, real people who are who are flawed who are trying to balance careers and family who make mistakes and who are always 
pushing ourselves to grow. I'm so happy you said that about self-care because I think hashtag self-care is very different from what uh, we actually consider self-care. Self-care does not have to mean spa days and bubble baths and wine. It can mean cranking out a business proposal. It can mean, you know, helping clients. It can mean creating something beautiful and selling it. Like that is self-care too. Just whatever it is that fills your cup. And you've got to figure that out because it's different for everybody. But for me at this point in my life, it means giving myself permission to live a life that is non-traditional. And sometimes that's hard, right? Because part of it is not everybody gets it. Not everybody supports it. There are always going to be people out there who say, I wouldn't want to work that hard. I don't know why you're doing this. Or you're exhausted and it's your own fault. Um, And that may very well be true. But there are different kinds of exhaustion. Such a good conversation, Emily. You brought up so many great points that I hope people can maybe see themselves in this conversation and, and take the bits and pieces and apply them to their own life. You know, before we go, I would love for you to tell everybody where they can find you and where they can learn more about EHJ Creative. Yes. So I am online at www.ehjcreative.com. I also do a lot on my Instagram page, which is EHJ underscore creative. Um, That's where you can find uh, most of my stuff. And I am always available for emails. Uh, My email address is Emily at ehjcreative.com. And I would love to hear from anybody who um, listened to this podcast and learned something or had a question or felt inspired. And two things you have to know, you need to go to Emily's Instagram because you'll see her beautiful dogs. And Emily has the most amazing art walls in her house. They are so beautiful. And she shares amazing photos um, of her favorite artists. And I just love looking at all Emily's beautiful pictures. Well, thank you. I'm always happy to help people. Uh, if you're looking to add art to your house, don't don't be afraid to reach out. Happy to make suggestions and um, help you in that way if you're looking to add to your collection. Well, thank you so much, Emily, for coming on the Motherhood Merge podcast and for sharing about yourself and all the different work that you are doing in this world to help support women. Well, thank you. And thank you for over 15 years of love and support and friendship. And I'm so incredibly proud of you and everything that you're doing with your business and motherhood merged. Um, And I just love seeing you fulfill this dream. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of motherhood merged. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I love putting it together. If you want to know when new episodes drop, be sure to subscribe on the platform of your choice so the newest episodes are automatically there and ready to enjoy. And if you want to help the show grow and reach more women who can benefit from hearing what I share, I would be so grateful if you would leave a review or share this episode with a friend. Super easy. Take a screenshot, post to your stories with a key takeaway or two, and don't forget to tag me at Aaron underscore Kraber, and I'll be sure to shout you out in return. Until next time, stay sane, my friends.